You will, please greet your neighbor. Thank you. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat as well once you're done greeting your neighbor. So I guess set up here just a minute. Um, hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name is Chad Harwell. I am uh, one of the elders here at Farmington. Uh, Pastor Philip is actually preaching at a uh, homecoming. Uh, this morning he was invited to preach. And so he went ahead and did that and asked me if I would, uh, if I would fill the pulpit. Um, and so pulpit, why? The, the words that we use that we don't even have, pulpit, right? Like, what's the last time Farmington had a pulpit? I'm not, not even sure. Not even sure. We're getting these, these words. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's ridiculous. Okay. It is good to be here, though. It is such a privilege uh, to be here with you this morning, getting to share um, really just right along with the, uh, the, the series that we've been going through called uh, Prayer. Um, so Pastor Phillip's already done two of these, um, and this is the third one in that. Uh, so so it, does, it does connect in that way. Uh, if you haven't seen the other two, uh, or you haven't heard those, those are online, uh, invite you to go and, and watch those or listen to those. And then uh, one other thing, and I was supposed to have one with me this morning, but I forgot one. There are uh, like prayer devotionals, uh, 30-day prayer devotional that is in the, the foyer. There's also some by, this, uh, by the back door as well. As you're leaving, if you did not get one of those, please pick one up. Uh, it's for you to use. Uh, go through that with your family or friend, uh, however you want to do that. Um, but uh, um, I think that's all the announcements that I have. Uh, Chicken Stew Plus, we need help, uh, so please uh, serve. If you can, serve uh, serve on that. Uh, there's lots of, lots of help that we need for that. Chicken Stew Plus. Um, I have several things with me this morning, and they all connect in some way. Um, there's, there's something that is, that is similar in each of these, and, uh, and so let me just kind of walk through these a little bit, um, and, and some of you may look at them and you may say, okay, maybe I know where he's going, maybe you don't. Uh, so the first one is the light, right? So we have this, this lamp here, um, it actually has to be connected to a power source, uh, which I have right here, and uh, in order for it to actually work, right? So I connect it to the power source, and then, uh, and then you turn it on, and you have light, Yes, yes, very good, thank you, yes, thank you, uh, it's amazing, amazing how electricity works, um, but there's a connection there, right, connection, if I disconnect it, um, right, it goes off, right, this is, I know it's not, it, none of this is new to anybody, okay, I, I, I understand, okay, I also have a TV, um, and, and, and hopefully I'm not like, you know, hopefully you're not like, man, this guy thinks I'm a moron, no, I'm not doing that at all, these are just connections, okay, so then I have a TV also connected to, to the power source. And I have really, the, the connection that I really want to talk about is the remote, okay? I have a remote here. This remote is specifically for this TV. I get it. Like, there's remotes nowadays that, that, like, they connect to, like, everything in the house, and they move shutters and lights and whatever else, right? Like, it turns, I don't know. Um, this is just an old boring remote. It connects to this TV right here. I point at it, and I press the power button, and what is supposed to happen is it's supposed to come on. Right? Yeah, there's a connection there, though, right? Like, this it actually connects to the TV. And, and it's not, this is crazy, right? There's no, like, there's no wire right here. Like, there's no, right? Like, like it's not like the TVs that some of us grew up in our homes where we had to go up and we had to turn it on with a knob, right? Right? Okay. 
I guess I'm the only one. Okay, um, so I'll turn that off because that'll get distracting to somebody, I'm sure. Okay, I also have a set of keys up here with me. Uh, these are my keys. Um, the amazing thing about these keys is that uh, I cannot go out into the parking lot right now and find the, like, the coolest whatever, pickup truck. Uh, did anybody drive a motorcycle this morning? Did you or ride on a motorcycle this morning? No, no motorcycle? Okay. Well, if there was a motorcycle, I couldn't go out there and, like, find, like, the coolest vehicle out there, like, the shiniest vehicle out there, the cleanest vehicle out there, and now you're like, okay, he's not talking about my vehicle, that's okay. Um, but I can't just, like, go pick anything that I want and, and like, use my keys to, to open up doors, to start the car, right? Like, like, no, like, these were made for a 2010 mom van, and that's what they, that's what they run, Right? Like, that, that, is what, that is what they connect to, and that is what they, they, they run. I also have a hat here. Uh, this one's a little different. Uh, some of you are probably thinking, yeah, there's a connection, right, to the head. Well, there used to be at one time, but it uh, does not fit my head anymore. Um, not at all. But, uh, but there's actually a deeper connection with this one, right? So on this, it says zoo. Underneath it, it says Kalamazoo College. Well, well when I was growing up... Um, I had a, uh, my dad's dad, actually, anytime we, my brother and I used to get, like, rambunctious, we used to get crazy at the house, uh, we um, were getting in trouble by parents or whatever, like, my, my Papa Harwell would always tell us, I'm going to take you to Kalamazoo and leave you there. Uh, or he would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to box you up and I'm going to send you to Kalamazoo. And, um, and, like, we thought that it was something that my Papa made up. Right, like we had no idea there was a real Kalamazoo, Michigan, and until I was like a junior or senior in high school, and I was walking through the mall and walked by this hat store, and this hat was sitting in the the window, and it said Kalamazoo, and so I stopped and I and I got one for my brother and I got one for me, and and um, and so there's a connection there, right? It's a different kind of connection. It's a deeper connection, really. Uh, when was the last time I wore this hat? A very very long time ago, right? It just sits in my closet now. But would I ever sell this hat? for one, nobody would want to buy it, um, but, but no, like, there's an emotional connection, there's a sentimental connection, it's a deeper kind of connection, you guys following me, right, so these all have different kinds of connections here, so with that in mind, um, why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5, James chapter 5, New Testament, uh, so go towards the end of your Bible, and if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far, just kind of start flipping back the other direction, James chapter 5. So, so this letter, as you turn there, let me just tell you a little, just very, very quickly. James is a very practical book, okay? James was written for believers in the first century as they were scattered because of persecution. Okay, James was then writing to these different believers, right? So this letter would have, would have, uh, would have been kind of passed along to different groups of believers to encourage them and to really challenge them with the way they were living their life. Okay, that is bottom line, it is practical, like how does my faith change the way that I live my life, right? That is James in a nutshell. Very, very practical, tells you exactly what it is, how it is, how we should be living our life according to our faith that we have in Jesus Christ, okay? So James 5, this is, this is the kind of wrap-up of his letter, really. Like you think about... Uh, I like to almost kind of think about it as, as like a conclusion, almost kind of like this is the end, this is where we're going to land the plane, this is like the last thing, final thing that I need to tell and I need to remind the people that are reading my letter about, okay? That's, that's where James is at in James 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 13, okay? James 5, 13 says this, 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Okay, so I need to stop here for just a minute because it's quite amazing to me what, what James does here. Right here off the bat, James 5.13, where he starts this kind of his, his final thoughts of this, of this book, of this letter that he's writing, he reminds the people here that they need to be connected to God. That's bottom line, right? This is really what Philip's already talked about the last couple of weeks, this idea of us connecting to God through prayer. That is what we need to be doing. We need to be connected to God, right, in everything that we do. So, so think about this with me. So he says, is anyone suffering, right? Now, remember, context of this, people that he was writing to, they were, in persecu- they were being persecuted for their faith, right? And so I really believe that this is talking about those people are, are, are um, having are found themselves in different situations that are difficult, that are hard, that are pressing in on them, that they are now suffering, right, in their circumstances. And what James says is to do what? Everybody say pray. Thank you. You are on it this morning. Yes, they're to pray, right? He says to pray. First and foremost, that should be our, 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 our kind of knee-jerk reaction, right, is to pray. Suffering, pray, right? And you might say, well, why in the world is he saying this? Well, because I think sometimes what happens, if we're not careful, when we begin to suffer in this life, when we begin to go through circumstances, whatever it may be, right, we are having trouble, we are are frustrated with something, we're struggling with something, we are being persecuted because of what we believe, right? People are calling us bigots, people are calling us other names because of how we stand for the faith of Jesus Christ, right? Like those different things that we're going through, what, what can happen sometimes is we can begin to seclude ourselves from other people. Right? We begin to say, okay, this is, this is only happening to me, and I seclude myself. I kind of retreat from everybody else, and, and I find myself living alone, right? I find myself alone in my own thoughts. Even if there's other people in the house with me, I find myself really frustrated with God and angry with God at times, right? If I'm going through something that I do not understand why it's happening, I question and I say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why is this going on right now in my life? Why am I having to go through this? Why am I struggling with this? Whatever it may be, right? And so we go through this kind of emotional thing where, where through these struggles that we're having, we, we are isolating ourselves away from other people. We're isolating ourselves even from God, and we can't do that, but that's how we, we work in our minds. And what James says here right off the bat, he says, if you are suffering, don't isolate, don't draw away from other people, but instead pray. Stay connected, right? Stay connected with God. And then he says, is anyone cheerful, then what? Sing praises, right? Sing praises. Praise God, right? If you, right now, he, he would say, if you are having success in your life, if you are, are doing good, everything is going really, really good in your life, then you need to be praising God for whatever it is that's going on in your life. And you may say, okay, Chad, well, wait a second. Like, like, wouldn't you do that anyways? Well, maybe. Like, that might be a, 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 a knee-jerk reaction for you. That may be your first step. When things begin to go really well, you begin to praise God. But I think some of us, I'll say for me, Sometimes what, what I struggle with is when things are going really good, I begin to see how awesome I am, right? Like, like, man, I'm having success in my life because I am doing this, and 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 I am doing this. I begin to boast, and I begin to build myself up with pride, 
when things are going good, it's so easy for me to really become focused on myself. And James is reminding us right off the bat here. He says, no, 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 no. If you're suffering, pray. If things are going really good, if you're happy, if you're cheerful, then you need to be praising God for it. We need to be connecting with God in, in any and all circumstances that we have. That's really what I see in this verse, first verse, verse 13. He says, if you are, like God is the God of the bad and God is the God of the good. Whether you are going through a circumstance that is bad or whether you're going through a circumstance that is good, you need to be connecting with God. You need to remain connected with him, right? And then he moves on to verse 14. Look at verse 14. James says this, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay, so before we jump into this, I need to, I need to look at one word, okay? There's, there's one word that is used in verse 14 and verse 15 that, that, uh, that we see here that is translated in the English language as sick, okay? The word sick. When we think of the word sick, we immediately jump to the, the, the sick, like bedridden sick, somebody is sick, dying of cancer, dying of whatever it is, like that kind of sick, vomiting, right? Like, but even in our own English language, sick can mean like, like, a, like a mental illness, like a mental like sickness, an emotional sickness, a spiritual sickness, in our 21st century uh, English language, sick can also mean awesome. Like, like dude, that was sick, right? Um, don't know why, right? It just comes out like that, right? When you say it like that, you have to say it like a surfer guy, right? Like, no, seriously, though, like, right? Like, like, so it can mean different things. Even in the Greek, this is, this is what's so cool about this. Even in the Greek, what happens here is James uses two different words, one in verse 14 and one in verse 15, that were both translated as sick. Okay, the first one, look at verse 14. Verse 14, the word that we have as sick, the original language is astheneo. And that word in other verses throughout Scripture, it was translated to be weak, it was translated feeble, and it was also translated as sick. Okay? So, so, so the same Greek word translated those different ways throughout our, our English New Testament. Okay? In verse 15, the word is this. Go ahead and throw it up there for me. It's camno. Everybody say camno. Good. You're a Greek scholar now. Okay, camno. So, and this is only used twice in, in all of the New Testament. This is absolutely amazing to me. You start to geek out on stuff like this, okay? So, camno is only used twice. It's used in James chapter 5, uh, right here in verse 15, and it is also used in Hebrews. But we're not going to show that real quick. This is the two different words, though. To grow, to grow weary. Oh, go back real, real, quick, real quick for me, Thomas. To grow weary, to become discouraged, or to be sick. Okay? Now go ahead and go Hebrews 12.3. This is what it says. For consider him. This is the other place in, New, in the New Testament that uses that same word. Okay? It says, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary or you will not grow camno and lose heart. Okay? Now, the reason I think that it is important for us to look at those two definitions, because we look at those two definitions, and then we look at the context of what's actually happening here in James chapter 5, I believe that James is not referring to those that are bedridden, those that are sick, those that are dying of an illness like that. 
I believe that what James is actually talking about here in being sick is, is being completely physically exhausted, being weary, right? So we read this as, as if you are weary, if you are broken down, if you are physically exhausted, right? Like this is what sh- you, you should do. And, and, and what is, so, so what does this actually look like? Like in real life, what does this look like to be, to be, to be worn out, to be weary? Uh, let me give you a couple different examples. Um, you go to the doctor's office, you get the worst case uh, possible diagnosis from the doctor, right? Not good. You begin to think about that. You begin to think about it even more, and you begin to emotionally kind of drain, and eventually what happens if, if you hold on to that is that it begins to affect, it begins to affect your physical body as well, and you become weary. You become worn out. You become tired, Right? Another example, let's say your kids uh, are not following God anymore, or your kids continue to disobey, your kids continue to go against God's word and his ways. Emotionally, it begins to drain you, it begins to weigh on you. It's like you're carrying something that you should not be carrying in your life, and you become worn out, you become weary, you become tired. Right? Uh, another example, actually, so according to the end of verse 15, James also says, uh, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's also this connection with sins and the way that we feel and the way that our body feels and how it affects us. And so think about this. You become angry with your spouse or you become angry with your kids or you become angry with your parents, kids. I know this never happens, but you become angry with them, right? And you hold on to that anger, and now there's tension in that relationship. And that tension spills out, and it affects uh, other people that you work with. It affects the, the other students that are in your classes because you're, like, on this, like, razor edge, right? Like, you're, 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 you're fighting really against mom and dad, or you're fighting against your husband or your wife, but it begins to affect other relationships, which, which then begins to affect other things in your life, and then emotionally you're drained and physically it begins to wear you out, right? This actually, uh, two nights ago, this actually happened to me. I'm putting my, my son to bed and um, uh, he has this thing with closet doors um, where they have to be closed all the way, right? And, and so it's always a kind of a routine that we have and I said the closet door's closed and he said, no, it's not. And I said, dude, we're going to pray. And so we pray. And as we're praying, I'm making sure their closet door is closed. And, yes, I had my eyes open, but God still heard my prayer. It's okay. Um, so, like, I made sure the closet door was closed. And then I, I tell Parker goodnight, and he freaks out on me. And, like, like, sobbing because he doesn't think the closet door is closed. And I say, dude, the closet door is closed. Right? He said, go to sleep, close your eyes. Like, like in that moment, right, like I became angry with my son for something as silly as that. And then I walk out of the room and I go to, to sit down with Ashley and it like weighs on me, right? Like I feel it weighing on me. Like I just got angry with my son for really no reason at all, Right? Yes, Paul. And so it like it weighed on me so much that, that until I actually told him, "Hey, dude, I'm sorry. Like I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gotten mad with you. 
Like, that's when the moment that it was, like, lifted off. Like, I was no longer carrying it anymore, <laughs> right? So even sin affects us. Uh, this is the way that David says it in Psalm 32. Psalm 32, David says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever of summer of night. Like David is saying, he is going through something crazy here because of sin. Unconfessed sin is affecting his emotions. It is affecting his body. God here is chastising him because of his sins. And look what happens here. He says in verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. In that moment, when, when David finally gives up this unconfessed sin, he feels the weight of the guilt that was on him because of that sin released. Right? Sin affects us. It affects us emotionally. It affects us spiritually. It can even affect us physically. It affects us. Then James goes on to say in verse 16, he says, therefore, so, so this, he's like wrapping it all up, right? Like, like he, he's, he's saying, this is what I have just, I, I've just shared with you, that through this prayer, like through praying, we're connecting to God, and then we also need to connect with, with really the leadership of the church. Like that's really what he just got done saying. So it, it's in essence, he's saying, when you are emotionally worn out, when you're physically worn out, when you're spiritually worn out, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to connect with somebody else. You're to connect with the leaders of the church. That's the elders, right? That's what he says there in verse 14. Then call for the elders, right? And you're, you're seeking for them to be praying for you, to lift up your request to God. It's that connection that you have with the church. It's that connection that you have with the leadership of the church specifically. And, and, and then there's even, I believe, so, so when you're worn out, you're emotionally worn out, you're spiritually worn out, you're physically worn out, I think that also then what, you, what we need to make sure that we're doing is we're actually seeking our own hearts to make sure that we don't have any unconfessed sin in our life. Right? There's not something that we're holding on to or there's not something that we're hiding even. Or maybe we've done it for so long that we don't even realize it's a sin, so we pray and we ask, even like David prayed, search my heart, O God, and know me, right? Like, know my anxious thoughts. Know everything about me. Show me what it is that is affecting my relationship with you. And so, 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 we, so we not only connect with leadership, but we also seek in our own hearts to see if we have sin right, that's kind of hanging out. And then what he says here, he says, therefore, so he's connecting that, that thought, right, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is, this is so cool to me because what James, I believe, does is he, he, he starts with that connection with God, right, and with, with, with verse 13, and then he connects to the leadership of the church, and then he connects even deeper than that with other people. He's saying that we need to be connected with other people in the body of Christ. Like, that's really what the body of Christ, like, like we, as the body of Christ, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are part of the body. 
And it says, according to Scripture, that we are to be one, right, as Jesus, Christ, is our, Christ is the head, he's the leader, he's the follower, right, like, so we're following him. And so we are to be one together. We are this body together. And so we actually ha- are supposed to have these intimate connections with each other, these intimate relationships with each other, where there are guys looking at other guys saying, man, I am struggling with this right now, will you pray for me? Women, where, where you are able to look at other women and you're able to say, I am struggling with this right now, will you pray for me? Those deep connections that we are supposed to have as the body. Think, think about this way. Like, like there's, this, there's this idea with, with, uh, in Ephesians and Corinthians where Paul says that we are the body, right? Like the, the eye has, has a role. And so he kind of talks through this whole kind of idea like the eye doesn't want to be, the ear doesn't want to hear. You know, it's kind of this weird kind of thing that he talks through. Amazing picture right, of the body of Christ. What if you're leaving here today and, and you walk outside to go to your car and you break your leg? I think most of us here are going to say, I'm going to go to the doctor. But what we do is we actually tell ourselves, no, my leg is not broken. It always has looked like that. Right? Like, there's really nothing wrong. Like, I'm going to go ahead and go to work. I'm going to go ahead and go to, uh, after the first message, um, Steve actually stopped me. Um, Steve Hungerford stopped me and said that he actually did this as a teenager. He, he made the golf team. And then he was playing basketball, and he broke, his, broke the lower part of his leg, but he just kept on telling himself it was a sprain. And uh, so he went, like, several days, and then a teacher finally was like, you have to go get that checked. Like, you need to tell somebody. But, but think about it. Like, like, you break your leg, right? And so it's like, it's, like the, like it's, it's, it's broken. Like, there's no, there's, no, there's no other way about it, right? It's broken. But you tell yourself, no, it's not broken. I'm, I'm good. We, 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 we lie to ourselves, right? Like, this is what we do with sin when we don't actually confess our sins. We're like, you know what? We're okay. That leg will fix itself. No, you need a physician. (laughs) Right? Right? So we confess, James says. We, We confess. He says we confess to one another. This is those relationships that we're supposed to have within the body of Christ. You should have somebody else in your life that you can look at and you can say, hey, I am struggling with this. Will you pray for me? See, it's, it's, not, it's not standing up on stage and confessing all your sins. Like that, well, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? It's not even like in a, in a Sunday school class, like standing up and confessing all your sins or the sins that you had. That it, This is an intimate relationship, right? That you're able to look at somebody and you're able to say, man, I am struggling with this. Will you pray for me? See, and the whole idea of this prayer is for what? It's for healing, right? Just pray for one another that you may be healed. And what we see the healing as, the healing comes from the Lord. Even in, the, in, in verse 15, it says, and the Lord will raise him up, right? It's not, it doesn't have anything, anything to do with your confession. It has nothing to do with your prayer. It has nothing to do with oil or any of these like, leadership. Like, it, has nothing, it has everything to do with the Lord and his healing. And there's this amazing truth in Scripture 
in Philippians 4, chapter 6 and 7, that says that when we actually go to God and we give everything that we have over to him, right? Because when we pray, what we're doing is we're praying and we're telling him that we trust him with whatever it is that we're going through. And so when we do that, it says, it says, do not worry. This is what Paul says in Philippians. He says, do not worry or do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So let your requests be made known to God. I love the next verse. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is healing. That is being completely broken, being completely worn out, being completely weary, crying out to God and his peace covering you. His peace coming over you. He is the one. James practically tells us Okay, stay connected with God, but you also need to connect with other people. Connect with other people through prayer. Connect with other people through prayer. Right? See, see, he says that really the cure for our discouragement, the cure for our weariness, the cure for our sins that we have in our life is confession and prayer. From God, right, being cured. It's from him. Being cured. See, I actually, I actually uh, got to experience this last year. Last year, about the same time, um, I was actually sitting down with my boss, and he's one of my best friends, uh, which I know not everybody can say that, but he is. He's my boss and my best friend. And um, we had lunch together, and we were doing like a year- yearly kind of checkup, yearly review really is what it was. And, and at the end of this conversation that we had together, he looks at me and he says, Chad, is there anything else that's going on? And... Um, and for whatever reason, right, I figured out what it was, but for whatever reason, in that moment, like, I just, I broke down, and I began to weep. And, and he, and I could see all over his face, like, he's like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and he started asking me questions, and I said, David, I don't know. I don't know why this is, I, I'm not an overly emotional guy anyways, I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to get through the hat this morning um, because when I practiced this, I wasn't able to get through the hat uh, without breaking down. But I'm not an overly emotional guy. And sorry, Ashley, I'm just not, right? Um, <laughs> but but I, I'm like weeping in Moe's with my boss, my best friend. And he starts peppering me with these questions. And, and we left and really had no idea still like what was going on. And we prayed with each other, and, and he prayed for me, and, and it was probably the next 24 to 48 hours that we continued to connect, and we continued to pray. And I came to the realization that I had, I had not only pride that I had in my life in that moment, but I had other unconfessed sin that I just had not dealt with. And I was holding on to it. I was hiding it. And the moment that I was able to give that over to him, we were able to see a relief, right, from this, like, like I felt like in that moment, like, my life was completely turned upside down for the wrong. 
And I was able to truly experience God's peace in my life in that moment when I confessed to my friend. We prayed with each other. Right? See, we pray to God knowing that he can answer any and all of our prayers. And we continue to trust him when he doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want them answered. Right? Like, like, like that's really, like, like we go to God and, and we, say, we say, God, like, like we, we believe you and we believe that you can, can answer our prayers, whatever it may be. But we continue to trust him even when he doesn't answer them. See, it reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in Daniel chapter 3 when they stand before King Nebuchadnezzar and he's ready to throw them in the fiery furnace and, and if they won't bow down and, and worship this, this big statue that he had put up and they say, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will still never worship you. We will never bow down to your statue. See, I believe that's the heart that we come to prayer to God in. We say, God, we know that you are everything. Like, you can answer this. You can do this. You can heal us. You can bring us up. You can lift us up. You can do whatever it is, right? But even if you don't, we still are going to trust you. We still are going to believe you. We are still going to follow you. See, James tells us that we're to connect with God, and we're to be connecting with other people as well through prayer, through confession, giving our weaknesses over to God, giving our sicknesses over to God, saying to Him that we trust Him no matter what the outcome is. So, so what do we do with this? What, what do we do with James in these, these few verses where, where he says that we're to, we're to pray, we're to, we're to sing praises, we're to, we're to connect with the elders, we're to connect with other people, we're to confess our sins, we're to, we're to pray for one another. What do we do with this? I believe it's as simple as this. If you, this morning, are weary, Pray. If you feel like you are all alone this morning, pray to God. If, if you have wronged somebody in this room or in this church or, or in your family, in your neighborhood, in your work, then confess to them and pray. If you are worn out, if you're tired, pray. If you have unconfessed sin in your life right now, confess it and pray. 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 Right? We connect with God and then we connect with others through confession and through prayer. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Every single week, we give you the opportunity to do just that, to pray. This morning is not going to be any different. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you that 
that maybe there is something that God is talking to you right now in your heart about, and you just need to pray. You can do that right there where you're at, sitting in your seats. You can actually come up here to the altar. The altar will be open. You can come up here and you can pray. I will be staying down here for a little bit, and, and if you need to talk to somebody and to have somebody else pray for you, I'm here to do just that. If everything is going amazingly well in your life right now, you better be the loudest one singing here in just a minute when Tim starts singing, to sing those praises to God. Will you pray? Maybe you need to grab somebody by the hand and you need to say, hey, will you go down to the front and will you pray with me? Whatever it may be, however God is moving you, I just ask that you would follow him. Father, we love you. God, you are so good to us. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you desire to have a relationship with us and you actually made a way for us to have that relationship through Jesus Christ. God, this letter here that we read this morning, this is to us that believe in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the truths that are in it, God, that we can come to you in prayer, we can praise your name, and we can also team up with other people because, God, we are not meant to do this life alone. God, I ask that you would you would speak to all of us this morning. You would show us what it is that we need to do. God, show us what it is that we need to give up. Show us what it is that we need to be vulnerable in. Whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would show us how you're leading us right now. I pray that we'd be bold enough to follow you wherever that may be. God, if there's anybody in this room right now that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that that first and foremost, God, that they would come to the realization that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for them so that they could have a relationship with you. God, I pray if they have any questions about that, that they would be able to have the courage to come forward and just to ask. Maybe afterwards even, God, stop one of the other leaders in the church and just ask us to share with them how they can know for certain they can have a relationship with you. But God, continue to show us how we need to be connecting with other people through confession and through prayer. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.